that's what I was thinking. I, you, I, you knew you were going to get that. I knew it was pretty much inevitable. Um, and people, people were warning me, and I realized that when, when they were all telling me this, and I didn't care. I'm like, it's 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 gonna happen. Like when when people were giving me advice, like, yo, you gotta you gotta slow down. You're, this is there's too much going on. They're gonna try to get. They're getting warnings all the time. They were like shutting off my live stream in the middle. I was getting strikes, warnings. Uh, people were saying that they should ban me. Like people were making videos saying mm-hmm. like YouTube should ban Sneeko. What's up, Sneeko? How you doing? The notorious Sneeko. Notorious. <laughs> it's great to be on. I really enjoy this podcast. I actually listen to it. I appreciate that. I think uh, this is going to be an interesting conversation for sure. How are you enjoying Dubai at the moment? I'm enjoying it quite a bit. And I do think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Mm. I think uh, there's some some questions on the laptop you keep saying. Oh, yeah. Is there anything you don't want to talk questions about? questions ready. It's going to be good. It's going to be interesting. But yeah, Dubai is great. I've been hyping it a lot on my live stream talking about how the West is dead. The degeneracy, how the woke is a hive mind. Mm-hmm. The wokeness will destroy you. It eats away at your soul. If you look at their faces, they look lost. They look sad. They look, you can see woke on somebody's face. There's a lack of sun. There's a lack of happiness. You could see the antidepressants, mm-hmm. some of the injections they're taking. You can, you can read it on their face. And this is a place, it's like a utopia away from it all. Mm. I noticed that when I went back to the UK over the Christmas time, it was, just, I was just looking at the people and there was something off. Like everybody just seems so down, depressed, like as if there was like no hope. Yeah, you could read the cancel culture and their eyebrows and especially after the the whole mass thing, everyone looking at each other and being scared that they really bought into the, the into the division. But people don't want to admit they're wrong. It's pretty eye-opening how their worldview isn't working. It mm-hmm. makes them unhappy and they will still defend it instead of try to question it. You understand? Like they're not happy people. They don't like canceling each other. They don't find satisfaction and they don't find purpose. They don't have drive or they don't have hope with the woke mind, but they will actively defend it instead of try to change that. Mm-hmm. That's very, it's very strange to me. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I've heard and seen a lot about you, but I feel like I don't truly know you. And I think a lot of people don't really know who you truly are i think you're quite a potentially misunderstood character so the this conversation i want to try and show like the real you to the world what i've noticed even just typing your name in youtube there's people out there youtubers who are literally putting together these like hour-long documentaries there's a lot about your people would call it the rise and the fall or just your the devastating which, demise, yeah, which is ridiculous because you're you're 24 years old, like you haven't even really got started yet. No, like that's just been the first chapter of your career. Yeah, and they talk about me as if my life is over because mm. I'm not on you, but that's my existence on YouTube now is mostly that, except for short form content. Mm. But yes, yeah, it's just mostly the leftists and the people I'm talking about, the woke mind celebrating the fact that I got canceled. Mm. It's a, it's a weird existence right now on social media because I'm still really active. I've been doing podcasts in Dubai very every single day. I stream every single day on Rumble. I'm still I exist on short form content and I go on other people's platforms, make a lot of videos. But it's still because it, you're you're really you're part of it, but you're also seen as somebody who's away from it. Mm. It's it's a strange existence. To, no one really prepares you for that. Yeah. It's not something that was, but I, I kind of like that it happened this young 
because it gives me a challenge and it gives me something. It was getting a little bit like too easy at that point. Mm -hmm. Just like if I stream and I can make seven videos a night just reacting to people's content, like especially when you enrage, enrage a lot of people, you know, it, it boosts your engagement. If I tweet something like there's only two genders, it's going to get 100,000 likes just for the fact that people are so angry about it, debating mm -hmm. nonstop. So if you can get people that emotionally involved, it's just uh, it's just light work. But Were you doing that, that, that type of content and reacting the way you were reacting? Was that really you or was that all calculated just to try and maximize controversy and views? It's it's amplified. Like mm -hmm. you, you got to understand what, what entertains people. And I, I know how bad people's attention spans are like this podcast, for example, most people are going to see five seconds and then judge this entire judge me. And they're still not going to understand. Mm -hmm. You want to find out like the real me or whatever. Most people are just going to see a clip and then make up their own mind about who I am and why I'm a bad person. Mm. I, cause I've done, I mean, I haven't done this often, but I gave it a try where I did some reaction videos and I watched myself back and it was, like it. it was so boring. Because it was just like fairly ordinary reactions. Like people don't really want to see that. They want to see... They want to see you yell and scream. Yeah. And they want to see some emotion. So it's... Um, I feel like when you're doing that type of content, you, you almost have to have those over-the-top reactions. Or else it's just you playing someone else's video mm -hmm. and it's literally just you reacting. Like when I watch a video, I don't... I'm not there screaming about feminism and flailing and falling out of my chair. But... No one wants to see me just sitting there like when I'm watching a video like that. So you, you need to add an element mm -hmm. to it to make it your own. But yeah, that, that, that's not really what I was doing for the long time. If you talk about the real me, I was uh, making... Because yeah, you, you started when you were 14. 14. Yeah, I was, making, I was making red pill content back when I was 14, 15, talking about how I want to make it out of the matrix. I don't want to be working a nine to five. I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to regret my life. I don't want to be 40 and look back and then just like, regret not ever starting. Where's that coming from at the age of 14? Because that's like, you're thinking like somebody who's 10 years older. Like that's, it's not normal. I'm saying it's impressive. But what, like, how are you, th you thinking like that already at that age? I grew up in the woke mind, in the, the liberal hive mind, everybody ticking exactly, it's doing exactly what they're supposed to do, always afraid always prefacing a statement by like, I'm not racist, I'm not homophobic, all, the, the virtue signaling. And I was told that I was wrong a lot. I was told that I was a bad person. By who? By everyone, by my school, my teachers, a lot of times like my elders, my parents, and people around me that the doctors, they said I had mental disabilities, stuff like this. But I always knew my, I always trusted that my intentions were pure. Mm -hmm. And so I, I didn't believe them from a young age. And so I, I, I knew in my heart that there wasn't something wrong with me, that this life that they were offering is just not what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to take that path. I didn't want to be like them. I wanted to live independent and free and, you know, fly to Dubai if I want to. So at that point, at that age, you, f you felt this need to almost voice your opinions in a way. You started making videos, you were uh, gaming, mm -hmm. am I right? But then when you were gaming, you were doing these commentaries where you were just expressing your thoughts. And then after that, you started doing the sit-down videos where you were talking about some well, a wide variety of topics. Did you feel like it, that when you were doing that, you were very quickly building up a, an audience at that stage? It was pretty quick. And then I, I took a lot of years off because 
when you live chronically online, you run out of things to say. There's mm. just, you have no life experience. You have nothing to talk about besides just being on the internet. And you see a lot of channels like that. That's why they choose to make documentaries about somebody else because they have nothing about their life that they can speak about. So they, they choose to speak about somebody else's experience. So I, I took some years off, but it did grow pretty quickly. Like, mm -hmm. but a lot of people rush it. My first hundred videos, I would refresh on my laptop. This is before YouTube. Back in the day, I think you remember this, they used to freeze the YouTube views at 301 plus views. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there you could see my first 100 videos all say 301 plus because it wasn't getting, I was just refreshing on my laptop trying to get the views to go up. I was bad for a while, but I, I learned a lot and I didn't have any expectations of it. I think people now, they get into it and they, they want it to, they want to blow, they want to go viral. They want to blow mm -hmm. up. There's this idea, oh, I blew up doing what? Like, what is it about you? Like, I just want to blow up. Well, you don't add anything to the world. I was, I, I just always enjoyed doing that more than anything. That's mm -hmm. all. I've, I think I've always understood that inspiration is the highest form of human achievement, that that's what makes you happiest. Do you feel like you're doing that though with these reaction videos? Because you could argue the sit down videos and the well put together vlogs you were doing earlier on, they were potentially adding more value than maybe these pretty crazy reaction videos. I see them as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. I, that's not all I do. I like to, I, I make my own content. I'm about to go back to the States and, and do a movie, my first movie. And that's, I see this as a way to, to monetize the attention economy in the short form. Mm -hmm. I saw how everything shifted and I, I was making cinematic artistic type videos that were taking months to edit. Mm. The most so all nighters, just me in my room, not sleeping, drinking coffee, scripting, rewriting, editing. And then you package it up and you post it. And then someone can react to my video mm -hmm. and get more views, get more money and mon just overall monetize it more than I did from a month of focusing on this. So it's just like, why am I spending all this time working on this one Social media does not favor that type of content. You need to to yeah. put your foot into both. If you, if you want it to last, I was noti noticing it was starting to plateau after a while doing the same thing because everybody else was just, if you stream for five hours, it, it's compared to, to what you can do in long form or editing and artistic videos. It's, it's just not fair. So I, I don't see it as, I understand what you're saying, but I, I see it as a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. What I would imagine for a lot of people, if they're wanting to get started, there is the least amount of cost involved in terms of time and effort when you can just react to somebody else's video. And if you're good at reacting, you can very quickly build an audience. But do you then want to be in a position where you're just constantly reacting to other people's content? No, I, I don't even see that as... A lot of time I react to things that I completely disagree with mm -hmm. and that will be the title and it's a way for me. If you watch a lot of the reaction videos, it's, it's mostly just for the clickbait. It's for to get people to be drawn in to talk about a certain subject so that then I can go and do my own commentary, have my own because there's something about watching something else and, and getting that spark and realizing the idea in the moment so that you can you can go on your own tangent and make your mm -hmm. own your own commentary about it. A lot of them... If it was just purely a reaction video, I don't think that I, I would have had any success. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about the brief experience and encounter working with Mr. Beast. It wasn't that brief. It was, we are working together, talking on and off for a long time since the Call of Duty days, since, uh, since those commentary video days. And I saw him branch off. We, we went into different routes. You know, obviously I'm doing this and I'm trying to talk about red pill ideas try to get into the truth who controls the world yeah, and he's he's never going to be speaking about that no
No, I mean, it's actually, it's actually smarter if you think about it. It gives you more longevity. And he's going to be the next like major CEO, the next mm-hmm. Elon Musk, the next Mark Zuckerberg is that guy. Mr. Beast was just uh, always optimized and seeing social media for what it was and how to use it as a tool. I started off thinking of it as like an extension of myself, mm-hmm. how YouTube used to be like a diary or it used to be someone would open up and play photo booth and it would be there like way to broadcast their life or give people an update. I saw social media like as this really pure form of just like communicating with people where he was seeing it as like, this is Netflix. This is the movie. This is the entertainment of the world. I always thought that it was just an extension of you, mm-hmm. which is not the best way to see it. You, you have to, to see it as a business. So I learned a lot from him, but I didn't understand everything that he was doing at the time. But I, I think back to that now and just you, you could see if you say that I was ahead of 14, this guy is decades ahead. Mm. Decades. I He's guess, 24. I guess you had your first taste of working for someone else and I guess not liking the idea of working for someone else. Like you want to be your own boss. I had that repeatedly. There was a lot of other YouTubers and people solidified in the game that saw my potential at a young age. And that was a repeated did they want to take you in? Yeah. And I, I never wanted to do that. There are people, I don't want to say their names, and mm-hmm. but I think a lot, yeah, guys like Keemstar, I, I had an opportunity to work for him when I was around 15. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing. I just realized I don't want to work for you. I want to do my, I want to be mm-hmm. the guy. I want to be, I don't want to have to go and make your, this is, this is why I'm here. It's not to be uh, working for you. It's the same thing with, uh, yeah, it's happened repeatedly, Andrew Schultz and stuff like that. But that was, uh, I, I probably didn't need that learning experience three times. I could have learned quickly that, you know, that I just need to do this for myself. But mm-hmm. what, what's difficult for, for the social media people, for the influencers of my people, my generation, my age, like people who grew up on this is trying to actively find real life experience so that you have something to talk about. You I, can, yeah. I think that's the problem with a lot of younger YouTubers, like you, how can you talk about life when you haven't really been out there and experienced it yet? It's natural for people in their 30s and 40s because they've just lived life. They've had real jobs. But if you grow up doing this, and I've had little jobs back and forth, but not really. Mm-hmm. You know, Myron was telling me that it, it doesn't count. People aren't going to respect this stuff. I worked as a, like a secretary. I worked at a couple of restaurants, Uber Eats, stuff like that. But it's like I didn't spend years clocking in, clocking out, and being part of that system. So there's there's kind of a, a cognitive dissonance where I, I can't relate to people. So I, I notice myself like actively trying to find ways to become more relatable so that I can become a more effective speaker, mm-hmm. which is it's, it's a weird way to to approach the world. Like I, let me let me do what's more difficult so that I can learn things. Let me let me take the more difficult path. Yeah. So that is harder. That, that's why I like to cancel it because now I, I can see things from a different lens. It's not easy. And so there's there's a, a struggle. There's something to fight against. There's something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I imagine if when you're at such a young age and you've already built a massive following, I mean, it's it's so easy to capitalize on that and make money. And you've already got that fame. It's I can't imagine those people are really going to struggle unless, like you said, they get kicked off the platform. Which, which I'm grateful for. Mm. I'm grateful for that because the life, it, it's so meaningless without that. It, it becomes too easy. And you see a lot of guys, like a lot of streamers, they they go off into paths of degeneracy and they 
just surround themselves with a bunch of garbage because they they have no reason to do the mm. right thing every day. Life is handed to them, so why not take the easy route? It's uh, it's a, it's a strange existence, and, and that could be a, a path. To, uh, look what happened with the Disney stars, for example. Mm. They got everything handed to them at a very young age, and then they they have all the fame, they have all the yeah, validation problems. from people. They have drug problems in the end, and it, it's a uh, it's a they never really existence. have a childhood, did they? A normal childhood? No, which is why you need to seek normalcy. Mm. Have you ever gone through a phase where you've just gone off the rails, gone on a mad one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When was the first time you did that? Did you have a little break after you initially kind of, you're doing a few years on YouTube and then you stopped? Had a bit of time off? Yeah, when I had some time off, I was spending a lot of time in school. I, I mean, I think the big reason that I stopped for a while was just partying, doing mm. drugs, drinking, not really doing much, just thinking a lot. It's... uh. And I, I wasn't fulfilling my purpose. I, I wasn't doing what was difficult. But the, yeah, the, the parting and the degeneracy, I really, uh, I did it's, that it's, quite it's, a bit. It's very easy to get sucked into. I've been there numerous times. But like you said, when you feel like you're wasting your potential, and you're not fulfilling your purpose, it kind of, that will almost lead you to kind of sink into this spiral of depression. And you're thinking, well, what's the point? Their life is meaningless at that point. And yeah. if, you, if you have no direction if you if you don't have a goal in mind then you're mm -hmm. inevitably going to be depressed mm -hmm. that's just that's the only path so i would say to anyone watching this like you this is why i think it's extremely important to to believe in god or, or have some sort of religion because if you have no religion if you have no god at all what ends up becoming your god is wokeness and that's just what replaces it wokeness is is degeneracy is drugs is the cancel culture thing is living online and the celebrity drama gossip cancel culture being upset at other people, invested at other people's lives, that whole woke social media hive mind, that will replace it because humans just need some sort of religion. I was trying to be an atheist for a long time. And I, I've realized that as an atheist for like seven years, that if you don't have any structure, if you don't have any belief system, that will take it over. And just look at any person, look at what woke people look like. Do you mm. want to be like them? If you look at the people who make documentaries about me, Look at look at their life because they they've analyzed my life all day long, nonstop. It, it's a great system. What what's gonna get more views is if you say the the devastated the fall yeah, off yeah, negative the negative the negativity because it makes people feel better about their meaningless existence. Mm -hmm. When you're in that depressed phase, when you're living a, a life without direction, what makes you feel better is to see other people failing as well. You don't feel so bad about yourself. You don't need to self reflect. Look at the other person failing. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's there too. So they don't like to see somebody succeed because it invalidates their failure. Mm -hmm. A lot of what cancel culture is about and what people talk about on social media is just to justify why their life is the way it is. Yeah, It's not my fault. I am depressed, I'm anxious, or I'm a gender fluid, I'm a Afro-Latina, queer, whatever. I'm f a fat person and it's not my fault. They, they will come up with different ways and attribute it to wokeness to justify their failures. It's a crazy world that there's so many people out there that have built their platforms literally just from talking shit about other people. Like that is literally their main point of content. It's It can't be a happy existence. No. It, you can't be a happy person doing that. I, I would say for people watching, I, I'm sure you've had your fair share of haters, especially, I mean, fitness guy. Oh, the majority of the the negative videos are just accuse me of taking steroids. There's many of them, Mike Thurston, Natty or not. They don't know anything about me. They just look at me, make assumptions, make the video because they think it'll get views. Well, it makes them feel better if they if you have... Uh... 
if they have a smaller chest, like what's going to make them feel mm. better? The fact that, oh, he cheated, you know? Yeah. But look at anybody who's spending time to spread negativity online. They're doing an analysis on somebody else. So take a good look and, and try to analyze yourself. Like, do you, would you like to be like that person making that video? Look at their life. Look at their face. Look at what they talk about. Look at their existence. Are they gaming all day? Do they seem like a happy person? Are they traveling? Uh, what, are they in shape? Are they somebody that's a good role model? Because if they're saying that someone like me is a bad person, that I'm racist, misogynistic, I'm an incel, then, then what are you, right? You're saying that you know better than me, then what are you? Analyze yourself too. I, I think that that's a fair thing for the next person to make a documentary and shout out to the next person. There's someone right now watching this who's clipping this up for a documentary <laughs> in the future. You're going to see this in a face the next time they, they come up with a word. I don't know what else they can call me, whatever ist. Mm. I, well, I've been called pretty much all of them. They're, they're gonna, you're gonna see this. Then they're watching. There's someone right now, some nerd studying this on a laptop, like laying like this, <laughs> needing to to bring this down. Well, because they know it'll get views because the other ones have got views. It's a, it's a great, <laughs> it's a great system to go viral. I, I would encourage you guys to do it, man. If your views are low, you know, just make a video about. Just me. make a video and talk down on my life. So in the earlier years, you obviously you're doing a lot of YouTube, but you also had a brief career and taste of modeling and stand-up what was that like stand-up comedy was it was a good way to to humble myself it takes balls to do that yeah that that was yeah standing in front of a, a stage or standing on a stage and talking to an audience it's i think that's the best way to develop self-awareness mm -hmm. if you don't have that especially for social media people and having this all, only communicating through phones and computers you you lose that 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 communication and it will give you give you the tools you need to to analyze a room to really look at yourself and figure out how what people think of you and how you're perceived because you can't hide anything you you can hide a lot on on social media you yeah. can construct an entire character like it's the sims on instagram you could just become whatever you want to be on social media when you're standing on it there's nothing anything any little ticks the way you talk anything you're hiding any bullshit will be exposed and i think that that was great to to figure out how to become a more effective communicator did you, did you do that because you thought you know what, i'm pretty funny I think I'm funny, so I'm going to give this a try. Yeah, that was... I, I never really believed that when I did it that much. And I think you have to as a stand-up comedian, but I think that that belief immediately makes you unfunny. Yeah. Thinking that, like, I'm funny. It's like, you know that you talk to that person at dinner or something like that? Hey, she's the funny girl. And then she's just being loud mm. and just talking over everyone because I'm. this was my personality. It's just... Stop. Yeah. It's, it's annoying. I, I never really believed that. I, I like stand-up comedy. I, I love stand-up comedy because of how effective it is at getting to the truth. Because you, you can't hide it when there's people and it's just you and a mic. There's nothing that you're able to to hide. So inevitably, the truth is there. And you also have the, the jury right there in front of you. Like whatever you say will Literally be judged. just staring at you with a cold face. And you hear it immediately. You know, if they're laughing, what you're saying has some semblance of truth. And if they're quiet, then then it, it's it's a. It's I can't a imagine failure. that. I mean, that must be something which will develop your confidence and your ability to not give a fuck. Right. Like nothing, surely nothing will be better doing that than that. Even Joe Rogan was. He talks about a few times about bombing on stage. You know, when you just you make jokes, no one's laughing, and then you just go like just continue to make jokes and nobody laughs like that must be an excruciating experience did that you was, did you experience that one of the most humbling experiences of all time 
I, I've done pretty well on stage too. There, there's clips out online of like my finalized set. I did a five minute set and that was like six months of preparing this material, going back and forth, trying it at different mics and tweaking it and really doing that whole process that standard comedians talk about. I had a, a really good five minute set out there um, at the ice house, but the bombing, wow. When I was developing that set, like trying to talk about, I had these jokes about the N word and like being mixed race and like not being able to understand if I fit it in different places and trying to, to craft uh, jokes about being able to say the N word. Well, that was difficult. Like, cause I, cause I wanted to really figure it out. Did in front of white crowds, did in front of black crowds, did in front of liberal crowds, mixed crowds. And it was, it was the most uncomfortable thing is when, so I, I used to, ha- so I was trying this joke uh, to see it like, because I, I'm half or I'm, I'm a quarter black, half Asian, like trying to be able to say uh, the N word or not. Like, can I say it? I don't remember exactly what the joke was, but it was bad. It was something, it was cringe. And then some guy in the front, I said the joke, it's quiet. And he goes, this nigga. And the whole, the whole crowd's laughing at what the guy in the front said. And I'm just here like, nigga, it's just like, and now it's over. Like he's the comedian now and I'm still on stage. Like you can't, what else, how are you going to go and and get out of that hole? Mm. It's, it's a social situation that is, it's some of the most humbling experiences that I've ever had was on stage developing those jokes, but it's, it's fun to look back at. Yeah. What about the, uh, the modeling modeling was, that was also realizing that I, I, I've been there before. I had a very brief, I had a brief career, but it was it's a weird, yeah, weird industry. Photographers really creepy. The people who are actually like employing you, like deciding whether or not you are the look or whether you're fashionable. The look, yeah. Oh, you have a look. It's yeah. just like you know. It, it's uh, yeah. I'm not. For me, they were saying, "Oh, you're too big. Like you need to lose size." And I was like, "But I love being big." So you want me to change and to be smaller and like waste this gift that I have just to fit in with what is apparently the look. Trendy. Yeah. How long did you last in that? It was, it was like a, it was a bit of a side hustle, which I guess went on for maybe two years. Yeah, same thing. So it was a side hustle for me for about two years. I, I figured I would do it because, you know, if I'm going to get paid for what I look like, I might as well. Mm. It's, it's not that much. It was a great way to travel. I did Burberry before in London. So that was like, you know, you get to fly out, be in a hotel in London. You're around models. That was a big part. Like, okay, yeah. trying to pick up models is one thing, but being on the set with the models, it's pretty, it's just slight work. Man. Yeah, she, the she's right across there. Afterwards. The after parties, you're just like, hey, let's go get it. You've been working all day. You're able to go and, and flirt with her on set all day long. And, you know, you're sitting next to each other in the makeup chair, all this stuff. It's easy. Mm-hmm. It, that that was uh, the big part of it that, that uh, I'm sure you... I'll uh, probably have fun with that. But yeah, doesn't, it's a good way to travel. But doesn't, doesn't pay well, though. Not at all. Like it, even the Burberry one, I made like $2,000 for a week, something like that. Mm. It's not It's not very lucrative. It, women make five times more pretty much. But And you have to be like at the top of, top of the game as well. Top of the top. It, it is It's so many castings going back and forth and just being judged and looked at by different people. The photographers are weird. And if, if you want to talk about wokeness, like that whole industry, there's a lot of... Mm. A lot of people in there, you know? And I think they have a, a specific agenda of what they want to put. I mean, the whole industry is run by gay guys. Yeah. The whole, and they pretty much set the beauty standards of the fashion, everything. And you see what's coming out with Balenciaga. And I don't know, it's just, I think that they're, they have a strange yes, agenda. These, the, the photo shoots and the campaigns they're doing, it's just, I look at it and I'm like, what is going on? Like, it's weird. 
really weird. But everyone's just kind of, I understand it's an art and it's like a way of expression, but there's a, there's a line which you can cross, which I think is happening a lot more frequent now. But every, so many people just like, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, they, they, they turn cool. away. Yeah, I mean, it is. I guess it is artistic and expressive. But when you really look at what they're spreading, a lot of it just is Satanism. Mm. It's like, and why does that have? What does that have to do with fashion? Why are you actively just trying to disrespect God to put on clothes? I, mm. Not for me. I don't, I don't like that industry. So after those brief stints doing those things, you came back to YouTube. You had a little successful series, which was the One Minute Podcast. How did you get the idea for that? That was from stand-up comedy. A big part of it was uh, I love crowd work. I like when you can just get on stage and a lot of uh, stand-up comics will put themselves in situations where they'll just talk to the people in the front and try to come up with material on the spot like that. And you could see things being created just off simple situations like that. Also changed my mind from Steven Crowder, him sitting up. I like I love the setup of just like here camera in public, just like this, you have a sign, you sit down, you're just talking to strangers in and out. And I thought it'd be really good to do in New York because New York is, that's like the stand-up comedy city. So there's like people are getting on and off the train. It's quick. They in and out. I just had this, this um, vision in mind of that table with the trains and people just get off the train and sit down for a second and then leave. And I could talk about any subject. I really enjoyed that. And mm-hmm. I, I just did one too. I, I forgot about that. You just really reminded me I need to to get my editor to finish it, I asked was people about a, a certain mm. shot mm. in New York. And that, that was pretty eye-opening. I think that that was what really made me see the woke mind for what it was and how everybody, how much everybody's virtue signaling, especially in New York. What really, I, I first started asking questions about, I mean, the, my favorite one was, is it okay to be fat? That was when the, the rise of fat acceptance and I just asked that question and seeing everybody trip over their own words, trying to justify why it's okay to be fat, even though they know it's unhealthy, even though they know it's up to personal responsibility and it's their decision. They were just like, well, I don't like the word fat. It's just, uh, uh. and you could see the mental gymnastics that they go through in order to say something that they know is not true. Mm. That made me realize how much everybody is programmed and, and seeing how quickly I was able to, I was able to predict conversation points up to like the fifth and sixth level. Like I knew what they were going to say next and just have the questions prepared because of you can just figure out the steps of the woke mind. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great series. But you had to kind of, I guess, stop that because of COVID. Yeah. So then you went back to just doing at that point. You did your research, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. So after, after that, you went back and you did more, did you start doing the reaction videos then? What happened after, like during COVID time? Yeah, that was, so I started that series and it was, I figured out like, this is something that I can do. Like, this is my, it was a combination of everything that I was good at, elements of stand-up comedy, of commentary, conversational skills, cinematics as well. I think that that series is very visually appealing. I was combining everything that I'm really good at in one series and then COVID happened and I only got to make two of those videos. And so that was, that made me feel very defeated. Like mm. I, I finally figured it out. Coming up with, with YouTube content, like when you don't do anything else, it, it, it becomes repetitive. It becomes, it, it's difficult. And th- that was like, that was like, yeah, I got it. I finally yeah. found the series. And so I just, now I'm back in the house. Now I'm back here and I'm in liberal New York City where everyone, it was the epicenter. It was a weird point in time. That but- was like, literally like I Am Legend zombie apocalypse. It mm. was quiet. Like I, I went out and did videos in Times Square and I, I was... The only person in Times Square 
you know, where the ball drop is, where everybody knows the Giants. Everybody knows. And I'm the only person there. It, it was just, it, it felt like I was walking around in a video game. And so that really shook up my reality a lot and, and made me have to, to triple down to figure out what the next step was. So during that point in time, that year, what, what, what type of content were you doing? Real quick, guys, I just want to share with you something which I spent the end of 2023 putting together for you. You see, in life, if you are unhappy with something, you need to change it. That is one of the core philosophies that has driven me, my businesses, and my fitness over the past 10 years. In recent years, I've been asked frequently how I've managed to go from being an average personal trainer, working all day, every day in a gym in the north of England, to the position that I am in today. That is why I decided to create the digital playbook. This is a step-by-step blueprint for anybody who finds themselves in the same position that I did years ago, wondering to myself, how can I make money online? Can I really make a full-time income from creating content about the things that I actually like? How can I travel the world, work from my laptop, and at the same time still afford to live a great lifestyle? It's essentially a playbook on how I built multi-million pound businesses off the back of creating content online. If you want to check it out, head over to thedigitalplaybook.net and you can book in a call with my team to find out more. Let's get back to the episode. What was I doing? That's when I I did start to realize that reaction videos were the way to go. Because I'm like, okay, how do I make videos inside? Well, I need something to talk about. I've talked about everything that, you know, I, I don't, and I was also pretty directionless at the time. That's when I... Well, there was, was that the time when you were quite open about uh, a relationship that you were in? Yeah. And you kind of... Yeah, around that. Yeah. yeah. What, was your, what, what have you learned from that experience? That it's not the same for men and women that... Yeah, that, that's degenerate. And it was just... Yeah, that's what happens. Like when you have no purpose you you don't have a goal you just end up i was just at a swinger party because i'm just listening to red pill people like fat people online saying like this is how mm. to make it fair and you don't have the right voices in your head like that that's that's where you end up at a I think what, swinger what, party what i've learned is when it comes to relationships most of that should just be kept in private like anytime you'd because i've done it before i was really public about uh swinger parties <laughs> no, about a relationship which i was in this was in 2020 during yeah, lockdown. Yeah, you don't share that with the internet because then people... And I, just, I shared too it. much and then everybody was just like way too involved in my own business. And when I was like try, like almost being overly open and sharing my experience, people then will judge you on your actions and how you treated the situation. And then it created this big divide. And I was like, you know what? Fuck ever being public about my relationships again. Yeah. Like it's... I definitely don't want to be doing yeah, that. Yeah, everybody warned me about that too. I've been public with all my relationships, like the, my last three long-term relationships were all very well documented online. Did a lot of, I did videos. I would bring them in my content. That was a, that was a big one was, uh, one of my girlfriends during court, like we would do videos, like girlfriend cuts my hair, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't, you can't go to the barber and yeah, it's better. In, in, in a way that though, that's private. That, that's cool though. Like doing stuff together like that. That's like, that's good content for girls. Yeah. Girls love that. But when you get too deep, you know, that's when it gets a bit sketchy. People become really autistic and analytical about your life and they, they won't. Yeah. 
they like talking about that stuff. But yeah, the, the reason that I, I ignored people telling me not to talk about that stuff is like, I've always trusted that my intentions were good and that were, were honest. And I, I like honesty. I like transparency. Mm. You know, I, I'd, I've grown up online. I've shared everything. So, so I'm not going to keep anything private. Yeah, I think that's what people don't really understand is that you, you have been very honest. And even though you, your thoughts, your views, your opinions have been things which a lot of people maybe don't agree with, they have to respect the fact that you are literally just speaking what you think, which is rare these days. Yeah, people virtue signal more and they analyze more than... Yeah, people, people are not honest. People mm. don't like to, to share their actual beliefs because they don't want to, to be people, challenged. People say what? They're insecure they, too. A lot of people, they, they, they say what they think should be heard. Yeah. What, what they think is going to be perceived the right way instead of putting an idea out there and letting it be challenged and letting starting open debate, having discussions. I think that that's very important. Conversations are, are the way that we find the truth. Nobody wants to, to throw it out an idea on social media and let it be criticized because mm -hmm. they always want to put themselves up as the as a perfect figure, as, as if they know everything. But if you grow up on it and if you are on it from every, you're going to be wrong. If you're just throwing out ideas and trying to be challenged, but people, it's, it's really funny to me how many people will talk professionally and not want to engage in dialogue or in debate. Mm -hmm. If you strongly hold these beliefs, you should be able to, to have them ch be challenged. I think that's very important. Do you think that's because they're scared of not being able to back up their views and opinions or more so because they just don't want to get canceled? It's both. But I would say, I would say the first one more. Mm -hmm. I think people like believing what they believe. And it, you could see how like leftists, for example, they don't even know how to be around people that disagree with them. Yeah. If they, if they have a disagreement, then they need to, they're like, don't like they take it personally. Yeah, they, they, they get, get they, they get, get offended. They get frustrated and upset they because get they don't have the ability to back up their points and what their opinions are. So you must be a bad person if you disagree with me. Yeah. It's, it's really insane. I, I, I've, I talk with people on the left all the time. I have, I have a lot of friendships and relationships with people that I disagree with on everything. Mm. And you could see the, like the people in the comments and other woke people, they're like, how is this possible? They don't even, they can't comprehend talking to somebody that they disagree with. Yeah. And even like with my friendship groups and the people who I'm cool with, I don't agree with everything they say. Like there's many times we have different points of views, but that doesn't matter. Like I can still be friends with them. I can still be cool with them. And like, even with uh, my partner, my relationships, it's okay if we have different, I mean, as long as we have the same values the majority of the time. But if we're, you know, if we have different opinions, that's, it's good. It's normal. It makes for more interesting dialogue too. If I, if I agree with somebody on everything, like what are we going to talk about? Yeah. What are we going to have to say? Speaking of disagreements, I feel like you've managed to have beef with the majority of the YouTubers on uh, yeah. the platform. Yeah. Do you do you regret any of those beefs? Because I think beefing is it's an interesting one because you can you can almost pre-plan to have this beef with a YouTuber and you both will have not only content, fresh content, but you may get each other's following. Mm -hmm. So it could be a strategic way to grow and to have something to talk about. But at the same time, it can make you look like you have been too easily offended and you want to get sucked into this drama. And you may, like I'm sure you've experienced, you burn bridges and, you know, potentially... Burn a lot it. of bridges. Yeah. None of my beefs were, were orchestrated. I think some people ask that sometimes. 
you see, that was purely emotion where you reacted and you were like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I've never really started it like that. Well, th there's a couple, I would say. Like, let's, say let's say, for example, certain someone leaves a comment on a video. It's like four words, but it's the top comment. He's for the streets. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> I remember that one. So this, that one, this, this, that, that one wasn't a beef. That was just like, I don't like anything you talk about. You're promoting quarantine. You're promoting mm. cancel culture. You, you're the embodiment of exactly what I don't think is masculine and what we're supposed to be doing. You don't spread the truth. And so that was just a, that was a show. That was like yeah. a reason to, to be able to be, um, to make so, a whole do, video do about you, it. Do you regret that though? Making that video? No, not you know. at all. What do you think? Uh, why do you ask that? Because I'm thinking there's, so like, I will get some negativity. Like anybody who's making videos on YouTube, you are going to get criticized. You are going to get some shit from people. Mm -hmm. The majority of the time, I will acknowledge it. I will obviously react first based on my emotions, but I, I don't do anything. I just walk off and I just think about it, let myself cool down. And usually most of the time I'm like, it's not worth it. And I just carry on doing what I'm doing. And I feel like, you know what, I'm above them. Like, I don't want to resort to their level and react and even give them more exposure. You know what I mean? It's like the top... That the, one, for the, example, the, the top, give... top rappers in the game, Jay-Z, Eminem, they never beef with anyone because no. they don't need to. Eminem beefs with people. Eminem was beefing with uh, some mid-tier rappers. Jay-Z was beefing with them. And I understand what you're saying, but that's when I realized how powerful reactionary content is mm. being like that beef and the how like enticing and entertaining drama is people like to see the back and forth that like mental sparring it's 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 interesting and it gives you something to talk about that one for example like people say like you made a whole reaction the guy's name is uh d'angelo wallace since then i think he quit youtube i think he he did hasn't responded to that but yeah i mean that guy was canceling it he was the face of twitter cancel culture and just making it on youtube like of the face of virtue signaling, telling, saying that people were bad for not quarantining, saying that people were were evil people. They should be canceled. We should put these people in jail for having parties. And it's like, no one's going to call you out mm -hmm. for that. I'm just going to, that was uh, a way to show that that was not the reason I, I made the mm -hmm. videos about it. I just didn't like anything he was talking about. Is there any bridges that you burnt that you regret? And you think, you know, what, actually, I want to still be cool with this guy. Or are you, are you good? Mr. Beast. Yeah. That was one that I, I didn't need to, I didn't need to do that, but. Well, you put a video up and then you just deleted it straight away. Yeah, no one saw it, but well, it, that's good. he saw it. He saw it? Yeah. It had like 20, I think, barely, no no one saw it but him, Fuck. man. Yeah. And so you can't, you can't go back from that. You don't think he'd ever forgive you? I wouldn't. Mm. I wouldn't. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that, about how much my mind has been plugged into social media doing it since I was 14 and how much my brain is wired to seek attention from social media. And I think your question is good. Like, do you regret any of these things? Because social media, it's not, I think a lot of people in Gen Z make the mistake that all attention is good attention. That as long as people are talking about me, as long as I have engagement, that is good. But a lot of it is really negative. And yeah. just because people are saying it does not mean you're doing anything positive. Just because your phone is blowing up, it doesn't mean that something good is happening. And you see it with different types of rappers, different content creators. And I, I was standing in the, in the mosque yesterday for the first time and just 
realize, like I, I do this thing where I, I pick my nails. I constantly do that, but I was sitting there just quiet. Mm-hmm. Hands weren't moving, hands weren't shaking. I was very aware of how much my brain has been wired to be uh, like almost one with my phone. And that's why I think that I'm, I'm going to be effective talking about this because I think a lot of people who grew up with social media can relate to that, to how comparison is the thief of joy, mm-hmm. how always looking about and comparing yourself to other people online and that that can really Mess be detrimental. It's, it's not meant, it's not normal. Mm-hmm. It's not something that anybody is, is supposed to go through. It's not something natural for the human experience at all. And that's not, that's not touched on enough because it, it's getting worse. Mm-hmm. It's getting worse. And I, I want to show people like the mistakes I've made so that hopefully they don't make the same ones I've made. But it's, it's, it's difficult because how, how do you try and train yourself to not spend so much time on social media when it is literally sucking you in and it's doing an amazing job? Even for me, like I will go on there and I'll do what I need to do. Half an hour later, I'm still on it. And then I'm like, what am I doing? And then I do, do the same thing every day. Yeah, I did that this morning. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I, need to, I need to go over and call an Uber. I think the trick is you're going to be on it regardless. You're going to be addicted to it, but... It's about making it a positive experience, like curating. Choosing, it, choosing what you consume. Choosing what you consume, having the right people that you follow, especially when I go on Instagram, like I, I was sending you a DM, like where's the location mm-hmm. of the spot? And then immediately when I go to the search bar, it goes to the explore page first. And then but so many times before I even search the person's name that I'm contacting, literal softcore porn, like yeah, right yeah, yeah. there. And I'm just like, whoa. And then it, it, I forget what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. And so you have to retrain your brain to think that all of this is haram, that this is terrible, that this is demonic. I look at a demon, 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 and I just, I push that out. So I'm able, I, I've reprogrammed my mind to just be something, to just look at it and, and understand all the PSYOP and all the programming on there. One thing I do with my Instagram story now is just repost everybody going to the gym. And we have these phrases where I'll be like, yes. I could be watching Netflix right now. And then everybody will post it like, I could be watching porn right now. I could be laying sideways, eating chips in mm-hmm. my bed right now. I could have been making excuses right now. I could have been dying my hair blue. I could have been canceling somebody. And, but instead they're showing a picture that they're in the gym and they're doing something positive. That is a positive use of social yeah, media. We're yeah. here inspiring each other. And we're here every time, like all the captions, all the quotes are something that is trying to resist that programming. Mm-hmm. I think if you act, if you make that part of your life, you can retrain your brain. But the first step is to understand how much program and how much they try to suck you in. Because if it's free, you're the product. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're monetizing your mind. They're monetizing your soul. They're trying to, to take away all your attention and make it so that you're a slave to this. Mm-hmm. So if you if you know that and you're conscious of it and you constantly fight against it, you can win. Mm-hmm. Speaking of self-help, you squashed the beef with Hamza. You good with him. I had him on my podcast uh, last year. It was a year ago? No, no, at the end of last year. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's doing great things, mate. Yeah. I, I think... Uh, you two are cool now. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say so. Yeah. I would say so. He's in Thailand. He, he recently said that he's going to step away and fully embrace his uh, his masculinity. Yeah, he's he's there like climbing mountains and meditating and journaling and like fighting bears and stuff, which I think is good. And he's I th- he's not going to quit. It's good that he's doing that because he's going to come back stronger and have things to talk about. Because, you know, you, you talk about something about self-improvement for so long. There's only so much you could say. You need to have real life experience. You need to have things and and wisdom to share with your audience. So he's going to mm-hmm. come back stronger. What he's doing is really positive. And I, I realize how 
why am I beefing with somebody that has a, a similar message? Why, yeah. why there's no, there's no point in doing this where we should be on the same team. I think it's definitely good to have a bit of time out just to reflect and even to just get out of that routine of making the same content, which you've done for so often, because if you, if you get in the habit of doing it all the time, you think that's what you're supposed to do. And when I've had periods of time off, I look back at the content which I've been making. I'm like, do you know what? I don't. I actually don't want to be doing that anymore. I would rather start doing something like this. Like I've had periods of time. I've thought about doing this podcast for a while. I should have done it sooner than I actually did, but I finally got around to doing it. But that came about from having a bit of time off. I think it was, especially in the, the summer of 2021, like I barely put out any videos, was just partying, enjoying myself. And I thought, yeah, this this isn't it. It gets all quick. Yeah. You need a purpose. Because even the the vlogs, they were very sort of, you know, the parties, women, travel, lifestyle. Like it was all very fun. But I think at the end of the day, I was like, this isn't, no where's the substance? There's no substance at all. So I've now I feel like whatever content I'm putting out, I'm hoping that it's going to have some positive effect on the world and for those that view it. And it does. Yeah. Yeah, enjoy the conversations that you've been having. Mm. Well, what's really important, and I notice a lot of people that that do this because podcasts are everybody has a podcast now. Everybody's yeah. doing it. They lack the ability to show curiosity. Mm-hmm. I and that's what separates yours from a lot of people is that they're not able to sit there and actually try to to get into the head. Pause. They or try to to figure somebody out and and show curiosity because that's what make that's what made podcasts great a couple of years ago before the rise and everyone's doing it. So like, oh, we get clips for TikTok. Mm-hmm. There's there's that type of essence for a lot of them. Like they're just trying to talk about stuff that they know will get clipped up. Mm-hmm. But the reason that it was interesting in the first place, I credit that to Joe Rogan was the curiosity and how you can document those conversations with the microphone that people have at the dinner table that people have with somebody that they they really want to talk to. Mm. That's one thing I want to really understand. <laughs> when when you were putting out, this was probably the last couple of months when you had your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. When you were getting these early warnings, these strikes, did you not think, oh, if I continue, I'm going to get banned? Or did you know I'm going to get banned, so I'm just going to go and keep making these videos and maybe even take it as far as I can? before I get kicked off. That's what I was thinking. You, I, I, you knew you were going to get banned. I knew it was pretty much inevitable. Um, and people people were warning me, and I realized that when, when they were all telling me this and I didn't care, I'm like, it's it's, it's going to happen. Like when, when people were giving me advice like, yo, you got you to gotta slow down. You're, this is, there's too much going on. They're going to try to get, they're getting warnings all the time. They were like shutting off my live stream. In the middle, I was getting strikes, warnings. Uh, people were saying that they should ban me. Like people were making videos saying mm. like YouTube should ban Sneeko. Yeah, I saw that. They were getting their viewers to actively go to your channel and, and flag it. it. Which I don't know why that isn't against. I thought that that was against YouTube policy. It's not. <laughs> You're allowed to do that. It's insane. But I, I don't think that was the reason I was banned. I mean, they played me in the Senate. In the Senate yeah. committee, they said that I was uh, inspiring domestic terrorism. That's how far I was going. But when I when people were saying that, a lot of people, my elders were saying like, you got it. And I, it had no effect. I'm like, man. This is just, also, it's inevitable. Yeah. But you just didn't want to listen to them. I didn't know. Very stubborn. I guess that's, in a way, it's a good thing because you you got banned, but you got banned for just speaking your mind, which is, I respect that. I'm sure quite a lot of people respect that. Yeah, it wasn't just YouTube. I, a lot of people don't know that as well. It was also Twitch. I lost uh, my Twitter, banned on TikTok. Twitter I got back thanks to Elon, but I got wiped. Like, of, just one by one by one by one, all these platforms... And 
you know, when, especially when that's like pretty much your only skill set. You know, I, I dropped out of school. I mean, I'm I'm good at video editing. I can run a, a business online. I know how I know how to I know how to make money. Mm-hmm. But when that's like that's my main thing. Like, oh, you're people come up to me like, are you that YouTuber? I'm like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not. It, when that's your thing and, and they they wipe you from that, it's like you're like, what what now? What do I do? My people in my family were saying like, maybe you should just go get a job now. <laughs> like maybe you should just quit this thing. That Why was did you just buy the tills at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, like imagine that. Like you saw, oh, you're that YouTuber and you're you're scanning their their camera at Best Buy. God, it's 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 a really a, a weird, but it's working out, man. Rumble is is a is a great platform. I, I recommend everybody do it. And part of the reason when we were talking about social media addiction and how you can reprogram your mind, I think part of it is going coming to alternative platforms because if you know what the agenda is on these mainstream platforms, I'm the proof of that. Mm. You should actively go seek out these. Don't let big tech have a monopoly on your mind. They don't have good intentions. They don't want the best for you. They need you to be a slave to their system. Uh, Rumble actually allows free speech and that there's a lot of good creators on there. And I found myself actually browsing the site more. At first, I'm like, okay, it's just like a website where I can host my stuff. It's getting better. And there's yeah. a lot of great creators on there. And I, I recommend everybody listening to this, uh, to download Rumble. Yeah, I think if they make a couple more improvements, hopefully there'll be some more people that go over there. But I think ultimately, it seems to be the majority of people are on YouTube. And obviously that must be quite frustrating for you because you can't necessarily reach them. And your anything new which is going out there at the moment, I guess the good stuff, podcasts, but then there's other people, like we said before, just people making videos about you and not allowing you to have your voice and your say on events that have happened. But I, I'm not even upset about that. The fact that my existence is mostly from like the mouths of the woke people like speaking negatively about me. I think eventually people need truth and people need something. They they need some high energy. They need some entertainment. And if everyone is insisting, all these woke people are insisting I'm a bad person, there's got to be an equal amount of people watching that. Like, is he? Mm-hmm. Is he really? A lot of it I think could be good marketing because if they're constantly talking about me and I don't have a channel, there's got to be something enticing there. And if I can be part of that movement to shift people away and let them go to a, a different platform, then that will make me happy. I wonder if you could rebrand yourself and your your image and your your sort of the way you present yourself. Would they allow you back on the platform? And if you could, would I? Would you? Yeah, because everyone would kind of know, like, oh, it's not really him. It's just the censored version of Sneeko. And there's a new CEO. Yeah. I talked a lot about that uh, the previous season, CEO. I, I, I think surely you would be allowed back, but you couldn't obviously be doing the same stuff you were doing before. And But I think uh, there's, a, you, there's definitely a lot of positivity and great messages which you could spread but just in a different way less reactionary less drama driven making less noise stuff like that mm. but it's so much fun at the same time too i kind of like the the challenge and the back and forth of it the that sparring and the the constant it's there's something really fun about stirring the pot like that it, it is <laughs> yeah like yeah, pissing you, people you, off. you just like you it's like kind drama. of a masochist yeah, yeah. i mean it, i i don't know if i like drama but i like challenging people's ideas and 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 shaking the pot i mean obviously on rumble for example there's no one to to beef with there's nobody to because everyone's like yeah i agree with you so that's where it's all positive (laughs) who 
there's a lot of people who mentioned the old Sneeko. So how how would you define the old Sneeko and how would you define the new Sneeko? Who are they and how are they different? They're not. It's the same person. You know, the people that say I miss the old, it's just they haven't progressed at all in life. They don't actually miss the old you. They miss their, they miss that year. There's a lot of people that reminisce about the year 2016 or they reminisce about an old album. They they miss the memories that they had. Like when they listen to that album that Kanye made in 2004, mm-hmm. they don't really miss the old Kanye. They miss that feeling when they first heard it for the first time and then that feeling it gave them, that belief they had, that optimism, and now they don't have it. And so they go blame something else or they they talk about an artist. I miss the old thing. Is is, is I think it's garbage personally. I don't... I, I get that every single day. But... I, it doesn't affect me at all because it's pretty much the same attitude. Every time I see somebody say that, it's like, did you did you even watch the old stuff? Yeah, I, I, I saw those earlier videos and you were, it's, it's you. Talking about the same yeah. things. Talking about the same things. So Maybe I, it was just the type of the content. No, the, the, these people that say that, they haven't progressed at all in life. Mm. They're in the same spot. And so they they need to, they have resentment towards themselves. And I think that they say that about the, the content creator because I, I've completely, I, I progress every single day. That, mm. That's what I'm about is is trying to learn new things and and upgrade my life. And if you haven't, then I, then I understand why. But I think there is a certain demographic of people that miss the videos I was making from 2018 to 2020, where I was, I've, I really tapped into this introspective type of content. I'm starting to post some of these videos, videos on Twitter, videos like, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, like 20 years old, everything happens for a reason, fake it till you make it, falling in love is corny, but I'm still lonely. I was making these cinematic videos and I was smoking weed and it was just like, it was kind of deep, I guess. I was like, just There's talking a lot, about- A lot of self-reflection. A lot of self-reflection and it was like growing pains- it, w- it was tapping into a certain voice that people have in their head that is not documented online because everybody's trying to uphold a perfect image. So I was just talking about like the very, frustrations very of growing. I guess. It was extremely relatable and I was able to do it in four minutes. And I would say it was really cinematic too. I, was, I went come from kind of an artistic background. So the angles are different and there was just a different, the music I had, it, it, it was a movie. The, these videos were films and but it, it's not sustainable on social media. But I do want to upgrade. You ask about the... The, I can hear like a little bit of when you talk about the reaction stuff, like you, it's like, yeah, it's drama based. It's, it's very social media. I don't want to do this forever. Like yeah. when I go back to, to the States, I'm doing my, my first short film. And then that, if it does, it goes well, it's going to turn into a whole feature film. I'm going to be acting actually. I've never acted in anything before. Look, man, I've did a stand-up comedy, done stand-up comedy, done video editing. I love film. I love creating art. So I see this right now, the streaming era, because it's only been like seven months of me streaming. Like mm-hmm. you said, talk about the one-minute podcast, the stand-up comedy, the the Call of Duty videos. I see it each, and what I saw YouTube as was like a way to express myself. I see it as an online journey. So this journey right now is streaming and, and talking about the truth. Like right now, the world needs the red pill mm. more than ever. The the world needs information like what's on this podcast. And so this is what I want to involve myself completely and help as many people as I can, spread the truth as much as I can, call out the nonsense as much as I can. But eventually, well, my plan is is to shift in, into films and, and go into, into creating actual art. Mm-hmm. That's why, I mean, I, I went to film school. And a big reason why I got into YouTube when I was younger is, is that's what that's what really inspired me when I was younger were, were these films where stand-up comedians speaking the truth. So if I, I, I want to eventually go back, I want to go back to stand-up comedy. This is not forever. Mm-hmm. I feel like you'll definitely need to have quite a bit of control and say when it comes to the films, like do you, do you want to produce them? 
Because I can't. You don't just want to be an actor. You want to have some. Part. No, I don't want to. Acting is not really something I'm that yeah. interested in. Uh, I want to direct them and produce them, but yeah. I've. I think you definitely give that a try. Yeah, I'm going to, but I, I want to make enough money so that I can create my own production company. Mm. That's the the goal, and um, yeah, to have my own say and not. You know, I don't want to work for Hollywood. I don't want to do these garbage movies. I don't want to recreate Ghostbusters with four girls. I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make my own. Films. Yeah, recent films have been pretty lacking. So yeah, they just recreate every movie from the '80s and uh, make a feminist. It's just feminist rebranding of old ideas and they, they kill off anybody masculine there's a specific agenda with every single movie if you look at it you can see it now every time i watch a film there's some level of woke propaganda yeah, always like, right? especially with marvel marvel's going down this weird weird route of like making men look stupid it's funny the women that. are the superheroes yeah the blue hair is the winner men are goofy and fat and incompetent they're all they're wrong it's Every single, not just Marvel, every movie mm. has this. And it, it, people are tired of it. People can see right through it now. Yeah. Speaking of money, I would imagine that you're going to be having a, a harder time trying to create revenue now that you can't be on these big platforms. So what are you doing at the moment to try and bring in Yeah, pe money? People say that, but that's actually not a problem at all. Rumble has a great monetization system. That's oh, one of my streams of revenue. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I, I recommend any YouTubers watching it, even you, to just sign into Rumble. And, I've got an account. Yeah, it, yeah. it copy-pastes all your videos onto Rumble. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the, the discovery system is not as good as YouTube right now, but no, no, the, the Rumble, I make more money per view on Rumble than I did on YouTube, and the, the CPM is higher, less views, but yeah, no, it's really good. But that's only one of them. The main one, or the, a big one is, is the course I have, the creativity kit. All right, I teach content creation. I have a a call slash, I don't want to say lesson. That sounds like I'm too smart, but I do a call once a week and then I have other professors on there from, uh, I have a crypto professor, e-commerce editing. You know, that's one that I've mastered for months and months of editing. I have editing professors and it's just a, it's a community full of red pill people that want to, to work together. And it, it's been really, people have moved in together from the creativity kit. They got out of their, their matrix jobs and they're focusing on developing online businesses and they met through the creativity kit. That's what I think the the main benefit of there is the, the networking opportunities in there because a lot of people are not like-minded. A lot of people just spend mm -hmm. their time on social media plugged into nothing. So well, that's why I love Dubai so much because you, you meet a lot of everybody here really interesting people who's on it. Right. For sure. That's why I don't want to move out here just yet because it's almost, it's like, it's, I think you pointed it out. There, there's, I kind of like the, the back and forth. I, I kind of want to stay in the woke place and with the mm. nonsense a little more so I can call it out more. And I have like, I, I have this this thing where if I'm here, I think I'm going to be too happy and then there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to fight against. There's yeah. nothing to speak out. Against. I'm just going to, I just enjoy life. And like, what am I going to talk about if life is is easy? Yeah, for sure. What's, what's um, your relationship with Kanye? Like, I saw there's a picture of you and him on Instagram. What was that about? I was working on the campaign on A24. Oh, okay. Um, Going back to the modeling. No. On the, <laughs> the presidential campaign. Okay. And no, I would never go back. <laughs> yeah, he was, I was there brainstorming and I was like one of the idea guys. It didn't last too long. I was there for like about a couple of weeks. And, but yeah, I, I learned a lot from him. And those conversations that I had, I'm, I'm still analyzing now because there's really nobody that thinks like him. Mm-hmm. Is one of the most unique people that uh, you'll ever get the chance to speak to. I think I've I've definitely judged him too harshly based on what social media 
or the way they're presenting him, they don't, they're not presenting him in a good light at all, no. I find. So he gives off the, the impression that he's just some crazy dude who is, has like lost the plot. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine if you could actually be there and speak to him. He's not crazy at all. Like when you speak to him, he's like one of the most brilliant people that you'll be around, like sitting around him and, and doing like having brainstorming sessions, like he'll, he'll get up and then go into song or then he'll, he'll come up with a new idea and the way he's, he get he gets the best out of everybody that's around him, mm-hmm. that you're there like actively challenging yourself. Being in those brainstorming sessions on Yay 24, I imagine it was like developing Apple in the eighties with Steve jobs, like those sessions where you're just masterminding, creating, being visionaries. That's really what it was all about. So I, I guess he's crazy, but if you look at the definition of crazy, it's someone who's acting out of the ordinary mm-hmm. and you can't be a visionary if you're acting within the norm. You're it's going to be the same as everybody else. There needs to be somebody that's able to think outside of the box. And that is him, bro. I, I'm everything that he talks about too. A lot of it is he, he he doesn't come from a podcasting background. He comes from a musical background. So he's not able to communicate on yeah. the same level that people are used to. I've seen him on podcasts and you could, you could tell his, his brain, he's all over the place. He's everywhere. But that's, th- those are creative geniuses. You, yeah. need, you need a, somebody to think like that in order to, to find that, that new idea that somebody hasn't caught before. Mm. But how, how, so how is it actually, how did that come to place where you are there with him it doing was, that campaign? I, I'm friends with a lot of people on the far right and they, they see me on streams and, um, Milo Yiannopoulos, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He had seen me on, on one of these streams, uh, with Nick Fuentes. He's completely wiped off of all Mm. social media, more than me, way more canceled than me. And they're like, yeah, this, I think this guy would be a a good addition to the team. So I I came over there and yeah, I was there about for, for a couple of weeks. You've you've managed, especially at your age, because you're still relatively young, I would say, but you're getting yourself into these circles and spending time with a lot of guys who, uh, you know, they're pretty big in the, the the red pill space on social media. Like you did, you did a podcast the other day with you were there with Tam, you were there with um, Fresh and Fit, uh, Sterling, Sterling yeah. Cooper, Justin Waller, yeah, like. That, how, how do you feel when you're in that environment knowing that these guys are like 10 years older than you or more? Do yeah, you, 10, d- does it feel older. intimidating? Of course it does. Like in a lot of those settings, I, I like that pressure of being around a lot of made men and then all of them, I know they're thinking this, this dork, this social media dork and I'm just there. That's how you find the best in yourself. Yeah. Like same thing with Ye. Like he said, I'm talking to him on the phone and I made the mistake of saying, like he asked me like what, I don't know if I've said, what I'll say. He asked me like what role I wanted to play in the campaign. And I'm like, I could be like the creative director. And he went, creative director? And like, he started comparing me to Virgil. And like, he's just like, who do, who do you think? Like, basically, like, who, do, who are you? Yeah. Who are you? You're just a social media guy. You're this clout dude. You're going to be <laughs> me? My creative. And he started making fun of my hoodie yeah. and stuff like that. Just ruthless. And I'm just there. I was in the airport waiting for the plane. And he was like being so brutally honest and roasting me so hard. I was standing up and this guy's my idol, like le- legend. The reason I dropped out of school and he's just, just like my, your, my, your hoodie, you came in with a cream hoodie. And I just, I'm standing at the airport. I just, I just have to sit down like on the floor. And I'm like, oh God. Uh, but I like that pressure because you, you need that. You definitely you need do need that. that. And I think I could be the example of that. Uh, I think we've, 
accurately or you've actor, accurately called um, explained it on this podcast me getting involved in drama that's unnecessary the back and forth the attention seeking the validation seeking online being around these made men helps bring the best out of you and sees a world that's not consumed by social media, mm-hmm. which has been my world. So you figure out what you've done wrong and you, and you figure out how to conduct yourself and how real men operate. And I think that I could be that liaison for that, the next generation, for the, for the next generation of guys who, who want to be that too, because they really do need this message right now. I'm sure you have so many of these, these young guys that like really resonate with this message because there's a, a giant, um, it, it's, it's, it's absent on social media. Well, I think a, a, in an ideal world, these boys should be getting these lessons taught to them by their father. But there's a lot of, I would argue, incompetent fathers or dads that just don't know better. Like my my dad, like I couldn't have asked for a better dad, like nicest guy ever brought me up proper. But there was a lot of lessons which he didn't pass down to me. But that's because I don't think he knew it himself. And obviously he grew up in a completely different time period to me. There was no social media in his day and age. Now there is. And these young individuals and boys aren't prepared to enter the dating scene in this new world. Like it's complicated, it's messed up. And if you're just a nobody on social media with like no status, no money, like you're really going to have a hard time trying to get a date with a hot girl because they're out there dating the guys that are 20 years older than them who've made it who've got money and status so it's difficult for sure yeah and they don't know how to explain that for these mm-hmm. guys look it's it's i was telling you before the podcast started like i've been on a, a lot of dates since i've been in dubai and a lot of them are like brutal and like people will be like what because if you like think objectively i'm famous um have a lot of money and you know young i'm in dubai all this stuff objectively, I'm not in the same bracket as a lot of guys and it still sucks. And it's still like, I have to deal with feminists. I still have to deal with women that, you know, if, if it's, if it still sucks, like at this level, then man, it's gotta be brutal for the average guy. Mm. And, and they don't know how to explain that. So that this is why this type of content is, is extremely necessary. Yeah. I feel like the stuff which I'm making now, I'm making it for my younger self. The younger self who didn't really know what the hell he was doing. And ideally, you know, I can help these people to just not make the mistakes which I made or, you know, have them go through those tough periods which I had. So I I think, I'm hopefully I'm, I'm doing a good job. I'm curious to know, when you're dating now, do you, are you dating girls that already know who you are? Or are you dating women that they have no idea who you are? Very quickly, guys, I just want to ask you a quick question. Are you taking supplements? And if you are, do you have any idea if you're taking the right supplements in the right amounts? You see, the more that I discovered about the importance of micronutrient supplementation and the adverse health effects of micronutrient deficiencies, I would constantly ask myself the same thing. I would go into supplement stores, load up on bottles of micronutrients and pop pills daily without really knowing if they were doing me any good or not. That's when I decided to try out Bionic. Since 2021, I've been getting my blood work done with them every three to four months. And once the blood test has been analyzed, they would put together a customized micronutrient formula tailored specifically for me. And this would last me for three to four months until I got my blood work done again. And since then, I've honestly never looked back. If you are also serious about performing at your best, 
preventing development of diseases and maximizing your overall health and well-being, I highly recommend you give it a try. And they've recently introduced Bionic Go, which is a fraction of the price where all you need to do is just fill in a questionnaire online without the need of a blood test. If you want to find out more or give them a try, head over to bionic.com, but you can use my exclusive referral code BQ Mike Thurston for a discount on your first order. Let's get back to the episode. Even if they, most of the time they don't know, but then they'll look me up on on Instagram or like, I've noticed a lot of girls will do screening. Like they'll be like, who's this guy? And they'll ask like one of their male friends or something like that, or like another guy, male friends I know terrible, but uh, they will, they'll, they'll try to be like, oh, he's like this guy. And like, they'll like look up some TikToks or something like that. And then they'll come to the date and they'll pretend like, oh, they'll, they'll act as if it's normal. But then throughout the conversation, like, oh, a lot of them have no idea. A lot of them, yeah. I, I've been on two dates since I came here and a lot of, had no idea what I did and but I, I've noticed that it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Like people talk a lot about how girls are clout chasers and stuff like that. I haven't noticed that making that big of a, an impact mm-hmm. on dating. It, it really mostly is about character. Mm-hmm. That's what carries it. I, I, I haven't, of course, there's some girls that I date that know me from the content and then you get to skip a lot of the shit tests. Like if they, mm-hmm. if they like what you do, then it's pretty, it's easier, but I I was talking about this last night. I like going through the shit tests to strengthen my ability to navigate female nature. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like the the combativeness and uh, girls that are not easy to tame in a sense because then you figure out more about yourself and I'm trying to develop my frame and how to navigate this more and understand women better, understand myself better. I see these dates a lot of the time as as mental chess. It, it can it can be it's, interesting. It's, I, like I've had my fair share of dates, and it's I think it's been amazing for me, not only to build up my my confidence, but to increase my experience with women, uh, knowing what I want in a woman. And I was having a conversation with with a girl yesterday, and she was saying that uh, body count matters, and a guy with a high body count is a bad thing. And I was arguing with her. Well, maybe there are certain aspects of it that are bad, but I think ultimately my experience with women has brought a whole load of advantages from being with more than with less. Did she concede? She, no, she was backing up a point. What was her point? Like the guys, he belongs to everybody, he shares himself. Well, I think that there was one argument she was making that if if a man who has a high body count, he is so used to just constantly having sex with different women that he will find it harder to settle down with just one. Why is that a bad thing? Because mo- there's a lot of women who won't accept that in a relationship. They don't. Uh, there are some women who will tolerate being in a relationship with a top one percent, ten percent guy who may sleep around. But realistically, you speak to most women; they're not going to be happy with that. They just don't want to know. Yeah, they can't handle the truth. They they want to live in ignorance is bliss. They want to live in a, a delusional reality that's provided that's provided to them by a man who's capable enough. I mean, like, she'll have this debate, but is she really going, is, is that really the case for what she's looking for? I don't think so. 
body count for a man, it, it's not really, it's not a deciding factor at all for 99% of women. And if it does, I, I've had these debates a lot of the time. They, they don't have any valid reason because mm -hmm. it doesn't devalue you as a man at all. It gives you more experience, makes you more competent, makes you understand women better. It's not, but it's, it's the complete opposite for women. The more bodies they have, the more men that they sleep with, it just, it, the pair bonding is real. And they, they, their standards get all messed up. They don't know how to submit to a man anymore. It makes them less competent of a partner. Do you find that dating has been a distraction for you from you fulfilling your purpose, being on your grind, getting work done? See, this is the dichotomy because I tell you, like, I get my inspiration for what I talk about on stream a lot from real life experience. So I genuinely think that if my life didn't have ups and downs and I didn't have a lot of the, the back and forth or the dialogue or people like making fun of my past, stuff like that, then if it was too easy, then there would be no motivation. A lot of my motivation comes from like the cancellation just is, was enough motivation I needed to triple down on that. So if I didn't have, if I had a life that was completely easy, I don't, I don't even know if I would make content. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would. I think I would that's where I get all of the drive is, is the fight. Mm -hmm. So you're on your social media, you're, you're encouraging and inspiring a lot of the guys to go to the gym. Yeah. What's your gym routine? Like, are you staying on top of your health fitness? Yeah. I've been going to the gym consistently for about three months, but before that I used to go to the gym a lot when I was in high school. Uh, I was benching, deadlifting, squatting a lot. I gained a good bit of size and then I, I had this big injury. I had surgery, stuff like that. And I was out for, I lost like 30 pounds. I lost all those gains. Um, and I was uh, in and out of the gym for a long time, but like, yeah, the past several months I've been, I've been really consistent with it. Do you think you can keep up with your consistency? I have to, mm. I have to, because I've put, uh, I have a lot of, I have a, a you're, you're a role model now. People are looking up that's to what you. I'm saying. You can't slack off. I can't. And if I slack off now, then it, then it's over. And there's just, there's the motivation. There's so many people waiting to, to say you're a failure mm. and I can't let them win. I'm not going to, that's where the, the fight comes into play. I want to, to get jacked and I want to have that, the giant chest and all that stuff so that all the people that doubted, all that can look at that and just, they'll, they'll have nothing, nothing else to talk about. And, and I think that's going to be a big inspiration for the people that watch my videos to be like, if he did it, then I could do it too. Do you, do you have any struggles with keeping up with the consistency at the moment? No. So there's no problem. I've been in Dubai. Like Myron and I have been going to the gym every day. I've been, I've been hitting the pads too. Started boxing again. I have no can, no problem being consistent with it. It's like once it, When you start going to the gym and you get in a routine of it, it becomes as normal as brushing your teeth. It's like if you don't do it, there's something off. You know, like when someone touches your hand in a weird way and you feel it and until you wash your hands and get it off. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with like, there's an itch. If you don't, if I don't go to the gym, you know more than me about this stuff. But if I don't do it, it's like my day isn't complete. Yeah. You just you just have you, to. You want to get to the point where you're making it a habit and it actually starts to feel weird if you're not going. And I think the thing for me is I know what I can look like because I've been there, like I've, I've prepped for a competition. I know what my body is capable of. So for me to really slack off and either lose size or particularly it's more common for me if I start to gain a bit of fat and I lose my definition, I just think I'm being lazy. Like I'm slacking off. Like there's, there's no reason why I can't still maintain a decent 
physique and have that relatively low percentage of body fat. But I know it's the things which I'm eating or maybe the cardio which I'm not doing, which is resulting in me looking not my best. And I always want as much as possible to try and look my best. Otherwise, look in the mirror and I'm disappointed. And naturally, when you are looking good, you feel good. And it's just, it gives you so much confidence. Like if I go down to the pool and I'm like really content with the way I look, like you fucking feel good. And also and everybody's like looking like, oh shit. Who's that? Yeah. And it gives you more respect, like mm. in, in meetings and stuff like that and in, in business, everything. If you have the right, I'm trying to work on my posture too. There's like every little detail about you. Mm. It gets analyzed at a certain level of business and networking. People notice all of these things. And if you're, if you're fat at that level, people are just not going to respect yeah. you. That, that, that happens to me. Like when somebody tries to tell me, like I've, I've had a lot of fat people tell me to go to therapy and it's like, you, you go to the gym. I like, don't tell me what's, imagine how disrespectful that would be. Like if, if I just told go to the gym, mm. like a fat person, cause it's very clearly that what you need to do. But people talk about this thing about therapy all the time. I, I get all the time. People tell me to go to therapy. Um, but it just, imagine if you flipped the script and you said that, but yeah, I, you need to do it in, in order to just, maintain yourself at the highest level, yeah. not just fitness and not just for attention and, and for confidence, but also just for, for competence. Yeah. And it, it to teaches make those you deals. a hell of a lot of discipline and it's, it's not easy to get. It is quite difficult. So when people see that, when women see that, when guys see that, they're like, fair play. Like he has, he's putting in the work. He has discipline. He it has shows that a lot about your character. You have discipline. And women are attracted to self-discipline for sure. More than they're attracted to clout or anything like that. Yeah, that's the the most important trait. Um, I forgot to, to. You asked that question earlier. I didn't really get to answer. You asked like, has dating been a distraction? Mm. And I meant I, I was talking about the fight, and because. Date, like date, those experiences of dating and everything like that, it, it helps me have things to talk about. Like going to the gym every single day, it helps me. Like going through something difficult in the gym, like pushing that last rep, it gives me something else to speak about. It gives me that because men need to conquer. Mm -hmm. Men need to overcome something in order to become a better person. And I, I just would, I would completely, I would go bad, back on that degenerate path if I had nothing if I didn't go through anything. Yeah. I think from what I've learned, you just have to make sure it doesn't take over. You need to prioritize yourself, your dating. career, your focus. Yeah. Just make sure, yes, you need to allocate some time to dating women for sure, but don't let it don't prioritize take it. over everything else. Like I know so many guys, like even myself, like I've made the mistake before where you end up catching feelings and you end up just investing way too much of your own time and energy right. into this woman. And then you start to notice, oh, like I've, I'm not earning as much money or at least with the, the progress in how much money I was making has come to a, a stall. Like everything else just starts to either stall or start to decline. And she's not going to help you get out of that. No, nah. and in, in many cases, I know so many guys get into relationships and they actually get in worse shape. Yeah, that happened to fat. me. When I was in uh, all my long-term relationships, so when I get extremely skinny, because I didn't, you get comfortable and you're getting attention from her and she's telling you you're fine. She wants to watch Netflix. She wants, when a girl loves you, she wants all of your attention. Mm -hmm. And so you prioritize laying down and watching a little like dorky Netflix movie instead of going to the gym. It, that, it is detrimental. It's difficult because I've, I've experienced it before where you, you, you do want to spend time with them, but the more time you spend with them, you do, you get lazy, you get soft. And what I've found is even if I, I could spend like a day or two days with a woman. 
it depends who she is, obviously. But I find a lot of the time, like I build up this momentum where like I'm, I'm getting shit done. I'm in good routine with my training, nutrition, being super productive. And then I stop, spend the day with her or two days with her. I don't really do anything. Maybe it's good to have a little break from everything, like a little break. But then I find it so hard to get back into that flow state again. Mm. So it's it's tricky. I don't know if it's the solution is to be with somebody who will almost cater and allow you to continue to be in that flow state or whether you just pie them off completely but, for a period well, of time. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I don't think women will actively try to keep you in that flow state unless you teach her how, unless you teach her like what you need to do in order to be in that state. They're not going to be there pushing you to be your best Mm -hmm. until you say like, well, I need you to be cooking. I need you to not annoy me too much when I'm working. Don't bother me. Like sometimes I just need to sit alone and be with my thoughts because I need to analyze. She's not going to be there making you your best self. I I haven't experienced that. I think that that's an idealistic view of relationships, but you really need to create that for yourself. I find it really, like I can't, I really struggle to get work done. If I'm here and she's on the sofa on her phone, like just her being there is, I I can't zone into my work. That's why I like to live alone. Everyone's like, why, you know, if I'm in a relationship, like why not living with your partner? And I'm like, honestly, at this point in time, it would be the worst thing for me. It's such a time distraction because you're there, you're sitting on your laptop and then she's over there. She sits on your lap. Then all of a sudden, you know, you put the laptop over there. Three hours go by and then you try to go again. you're absolutely wiped out. And and then you're drained mentally. Like, let's watch them. Let's go out to eat. And then the whole day was just for her, uh, just for one second where she just, she wanted your attention. I don't know what it is about girls. Like, especially when you're working, that's when they want to distract you the most. (laughs) Like, now you want to sit on my lap. Like, now I'm in the zone. You need some attention. That is the best way. And also... Do you, or do you live with other, just, just solo? So I, 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 when I left home at 18, I was living with guys uh, right up until the age of 26. So there was like a house of six of us, five of us. And then it got down to like, there was two other people. And then 2000, end of 2016, I moved to London. And it was the first time I lived by myself. So it was a, it was a weird experience because to begin with, initially it was, it was quite lonely because I was so used to living with other people. And I moved to a city which I didn't really, I didn't really know anybody there. So it was weird making that adjustment. But in terms of my career, that everything blew up because there was no distractions. I knew what I needed to do. I woke up, got it done. And it was like that every single day. What I should have done in hindsight was made more effort to actually go out and socialize. But I kind of locked myself away because I mean, I'm naturally more of an introverted person who actually likes to be by himself, which I figured out. There's there's pros of being by yourself, but if you do it too much, then you start to feel weird. Like you you need human contact interaction. Do you get that like doom state? What is this? For? Like I noticed one. I operate well by myself too. I get the most work done, but I notice that after a while, then it becomes like I start to get more existential. Like what is, I get like taxi driver, Robert De Niro. Like, what is this really about? What is this for? Yeah. I start thinking like, why am I doing this? There's no, when I don't have that support system, it becomes, sometimes it can feel really pointless. Yeah. And I think that's why it's what I've really done. And this this has only just been for the past year. I've been super selective with who I'm spending my time with. And it's crazy to see the transformation in myself just from 
you know, either going for dinner or uh, going to a beach club or whatever it might be with these people who are super driven, super knowledgeable and just experienced in like other areas of life, which I don't have that much experience in. And it's been like life changing. So I, I encourage people who, if those people are spending time with the wrong people, switch up who you're spending the time with. And if you are spending a lot of time by yourself, then try and consciously make an effort to spend more time with these people like you are. You know, you're spending a lot of time with these guys in their 30s, which without a doubt, I can already 40s. see the transformation in you. Like you are behaving more like them. And I think if you didn't have those figures, I wouldn't. you know, you would... More degenerate. What, what direction would you go in? Right. Especially if you, you're you only 24, so imagine spending time with other 24-year-olds. Like You just get pulled into theirs. I notice how different the conversations are. I like when I'm speaking to... A, like I've been around a lot, a lot of high level people since I've been in Dubai and just the way that the conversations are, are conducted, everybody waits for their turn to speak. Nobody interrupts. There's always a, a point to your, your sentence. When you're around a bunch of 24 year olds, you're talking like in memes, people are talking over each other. It's kind of, there's not really much of a direction. Nobody has, there's a less of a sense of respect. There's a lot of things that, that guys don't understand if you're around a lot of those people. And the biggest shift to get to that point where I'm thinking the, the way you described was viewing relationships as transactional, which holds you back at first because you're like, it's trans so it's not genuine. But when you realize that time is a commodity and at a certain level, all the time you spent is essentially like money being spent. Mm -hmm. So if you're not, if you, your relationships aren't transactional, then you're essentially wasting your time and you're you're upholding a lot of relationships with people just for the fact that you have a history or you knew them for a long time, you're upholding them for the wrong reasons. Every conversation you have, any all the time you spend should be to improve. Mm. And if not, you're going to fall behind. Yeah. Eve, I've noticed if, if I'm spending time with the wrong people, I start to get frustrated. A little bit with myself, but even with them. And that's usually a sign where it's like, okay. These, yeah, you get annoyed that they're around. But I'm like, this fucking conversation is so stupid. Yeah. So it's, that's... <laughs> and has something, sometimes it shows in the conversation, like I get kind of like annoyed with the person, but it's not really their fault. They're not yeah. a bad person. It's just this conversation. There's no point. You're not changing. I'm not changing. We're just here having the same conversation that we had six years ago. And I get, I do get frustrated very quickly with do, that. Do you have many friends your age? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I was, most of the people that I spend the most time with now are, are much older than me. Mm -hmm. And there, there's, I noticed two things about that is that people that are a lot older than you, they like having their ego stroked <laughs> for giving you advice. I'm sure you've noticed yeah. that. They like to be, I, I was talking to somebody the other night and I asked him advice for a couple of things. And then he went, keep, keep going, keep going. And then I'm like, <laughs> I don't have nothing. And then I'm like, just coming up with stuff. Cause he's like, this is how you do it mm -hmm. because I know. And, and it's just, the stuff he's saying was really generic, normal stuff. But I'm not in my head like, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And, and then afterwards, uh, I was told by another person in the conversation, like you, you played that well, you played that like chess because mm -hmm. you realize like people at a certain level, they like to feel like they, they're the big guy. They've done a lot of things and also that they're passing on knowledge to the next generation. So it, it, it's, it is a chess move, but, um, but also that there's a lot you can learn from, from these people too. So, and you, and you can be humbling as well to them. They, they're in this, like, I'm a respected man all the time. And then I come in like, you're like dork. Like I just make it fun of their clothes, uh, Gen Z humor, roasting, mm. stuff like that. It makes, it brings it all. It, it evens out the, the professional autism. Mm. So 
before I wrap this up, over the past 10 years, what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned? The biggest lesson I learned in 10 years is that the woke mind is, is a virus. It is a disease that infects you. I think it's more detrimental than, than anything else. I think you can lump in all, all the mental health crisis things that people talk about, like ADHD, depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, all the stuff that people claim is like their personality traits. I think you could attribute that to the woke mind virus. Classifying yourself based off of your race or about things that, you know, you didn't do anything. They have, you didn't achieve these things, but you're, you talk about them because it gives you validation without doing anything. And th that's one of the most detrimental things to people in the West. They've replaced religion. They replaced God with the woke mind virus. And it, it brings you down. And it, it was specifically designed to keep you poor and to keep you at the bottom and to not challenge the status quo, to keep you controlled so that people do enjoy life without that. And a belief system that's completely anti that is the best way to move forward. And if you spend your time too much on social media and seeking the wrong things and going down that path and it's, it, it will consume you. So resist the woke mind. Any regrets? No, I think all of it is, gives you experience. All of it makes you who you are. I don't live with that sort of mindset. I, I think all, everything happens for a reason. And if it happened, it was supposed to happen. And it was a, a conscious decision. Yeah. I can see you, you're learning from the mistakes and, I'm actually really curious to see what the oldest Nico is going to be like. Like I'm trying to picture you 30 years old in six years time. That's, that's going to be something pretty special. I think. What advice would you give to your 24 year old self? I guess like you're doing now, just spend more time with older guys who are extremely successful, switched on and are going places. I just did not have that. And I think I, even the majority of my twenties, I didn't have it at all. And that definitely slowed down my rate of progress and development as a man. And I didn't, I think I, I spent a lot of time getting really into the science of building muscle, losing body fat, but that was it. Like I didn't really, once I'd, I felt like I'd mastered that craft, I kind of sat back a little bit when really I should have been continuously learning, always learning looking to develop new skills, which I didn't really do. And then I think I, I realized because I didn't do that, I was getting to a point where I felt like I didn't have anything else to say. I had nothing new to bring to the table because I hadn't learned any other skills. So that would be my advice. How would younger people watching this, how would they go find those people to, to be around and speak to and learn from? It's a great question. I would... So if you are by yourself, I think one thing that you can do is just constantly be listening to podcasts, these productive uh, self-help podcasts, because you, it's almost like you, you, you're there with them. You're always learning something. You're not only learning from their experiences, but the knowledge which they're sharing. So do that as much as you can. I mean, even if you could go through one or two podcasts a day, read some books, obviously you don't want to take up too much of your time. But when it comes to actually meeting these people in person, I don't know, that's a good question because like I'm in a point now where I've built and established myself online. So it's easy for me to reach out just walk to into people. Those scenarios. I'm like, hey, let's meet up. And they're yeah. like, yeah, okay. So I would say in, in a sense, you kind of, you have to develop your online presence a little bit so that, you know, 
without a doubt, the, the, the more following that you have, the more doors that's going to open. It's transactional. People, those people want to be around me because I have a large audience. And, and even now, like if, if people approach me and they, they are literally like a nobody, then... It's a waste of your time. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's like the sad world that we live in. But it doesn't just have to be about cloud. A lot of it could be adding value. Like, yeah. the, I mean, if, if they are like extremely gifted and knowledgeable, then for sure, I would want to sit down and speak to them. But it's, it's, it doesn't get my attention as much as somebody who already has a big presence and a good reputation. So you just have to work on yourself. Maybe try if you can, like maybe there's like these masterminds or uh, meetups which people have in specific industries. I'm sure they do exist. But the problem with a lot of masterminds is they cost money. So people don't have them. If you do have the money, then get yourself involved. Because getting doing these masterminds, you're going to meet other people who have money and you're going to you know expand your your network drastically. So investing into yourself and these courses and mentors can uh, definitely help. But you need the money to do that in the first place. So sort yourself out and start making money. That's the right advice. I mean, the, the creativity kit is $50 a month. That's mine. And you could speak to me directly. I think that that's a pretty low price point in order to ask me a question. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 7 millionaire professors that I have in there. Nice, man. That was a good conversation. I enjoyed that. Thanks a lot. No worries, bro. 